I want to talk to you about something that you have done today, that you have done multiple times today. I want to talk about something that was in your routine today, and actually it's in your routine every day. What do you think I might have reference to? Well, you ate today, I suppose, so that's one thing that you normally do. Uh, you, well, I hope you brushed your teeth today. We could be talking about dental hygiene, I suppose. What do you think I'm talking about? Something you've done today and that you do every day on a regular basis. I want to talk to you uh, this evening about decision-making. Making decisions. You made decisions today. You made lots of decisions today. All sorts of things that you had to decide. Very importantly, you decided to be here, to join together in worship of God. And that's a great thing, a good thing. And we're encouraged by your decision-making in that regard. There are a lot of decisions to be made today and tomorrow and every day. There are lots of decisions to be made. And the question that we want to consider for a few minutes tonight is, upon what basis should we make those decisions? Our goal should be to make good decisions uh, as the children of God. And so tonight we just want to review some things that we talk about pretty often, but we just want to talk about practical decision-making for Christians. What are the basis upon which we should be choosing, making our decisions day by day? Uh, we're not going to be plowing any new ground tonight. We're just simply going to be reminding ourselves of some very basic concepts. And hopefully we keep applying these things. In fact, what we hope is we get better at applying these concepts as we constantly make decisions in our lives. We stop here just to say thank you for being here and your decision to come. Uh, for those who are visiting with us tonight, thanks for being here especially Weather's just horrible today. I don't even think that the weather forecasters predicted what the weather would be like today. Uh, but it's not a good weather day. And also it's a very busy time. And there's lots of activities that are calling upon our attention. But the fact that you've come here tonight to join together in a second period of worship today is very commendable. And we appreciate you for that. Thanks for being here. What would you put on your list of things that you got to take into consideration when you're making your decisions day by day. Well, I think here's a good place to begin. Ask yourself, does the Bible say it's wrong? That'd be a great starting place, wouldn't it? If the Bible says something is wrong, then there's no way to make it right. If the Bible says no, you can't somehow skirt around that and get to a yes answer. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. Now, that seems pretty basic, doesn't it? And yet men, as you well know, uh, have done their very best to devise various schemes whereby they could say wrong is right. At least wrong is right in some circumstances. We're all familiar with the notion of situation ethics. And situation ethics says that Really, what's right or wrong is determined by your circumstances, de determined by the situation. Now, I'll tell you, it's, it's usually wrong, for instance, to tell a lie. But situation ethics says, while I agree that it's usually wrong to tell a lie, there might be some situations wherein it would be okay, that there would be some situations where maybe it is even the right thing to do, to tell a lie. And so you get the idea that this very basic premise 
Uh, men have, have done their best to get around it. But if the Bible says it's wrong, there's no way to make it right. Human reasoning can't change it. In the reading that Joel read earlier from Psalm chapter 19, notice the law of the Lord is perfect. It's right. It's always right and it's never wrong. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And so, again, man can argue the points and they can quibble about the issues, but the bottom line is wrong is always wrong. And so as we study the scripture and we find out what God's law says, then that serves as the baseline for our decision-making process. And it has to. And so this is another important reason why we should study with regularity. So that we become more and more familiar with, knowledgeable about what God has said. So we can make good decisions. The second question I think is worthy of asking is, this thing that I'm considering, I've got to make a decision about this, but is it possible that what I'm considering will corrupt my mind? There's an awful lot of bad stuff out there in the world. In fact, I'm convinced that the, the potential to take in things that can corrupt our minds is greater in our day and time than it has ever been in the history of the world. Now, I don't think we I don't think we live in the worst of all times. I'm not saying that. I think there have been times in the history of this world where, where situations were a whole lot worse than they are now. I think we live in bad times. But try to tell that to Noah. Try to tell Noah that the world is worse today than it was in his day. I don't think you're going to succeed in making that argument. There have been bad times. But in this regard, I think that Satan has tools to use to corrupt our minds, to affect our thinking, to put bad stuff in our thought processes. He's got more capacity to do that now than he's ever had in the past. TV and movies and I think especially the Internet, uh, just all kinds of media that has the potential to make us think about things we shouldn't be thinking about. And, of course, the great danger is if, if your thought processes are affected by those things, then it begins to affect your decision-making. And I think there's evidence of that clearly seen in our world. We have got to be on guard about things that corrupt the mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so it's not okay for me to say, well, this time, just for a little while, I'm going to let myself view things that I shouldn't view, be entertained by things that I shouldn't allow to even be in my thought processes. I'm going to, right now, I'm going to think about some things that are probably not very good. I'm going to allow my thought processes to be affected. That would be a violation of this command, right? Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I think we all know so very well Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It always does good to remind ourselves that Paul commanded... Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's a command, right? He's not saying this is optional to you, but I would recommend thinking on good things. No, he's 
telling us, commanding us to think on good things. And so a really valuable and worthy question to ask is, will this corrupt my mind? A question that also deserves to be considered is, I'm about to make some decisions, but I've got to ask myself, will the thing that I'm thinking about harm my body? We all know that through the years, men have invented a lot of things that can bring temporary pleasure, no doubt. That's why people do them. But they have long-term consequences for the physical body. Uh, tobacco, marijuana, alcohol, various kinds of drugs. These can, I'm certain, bring certain gratifications, temporary gratification for the physical body. But... We've been told over and over again that long-term these things are very detrimental and harmful to the body. Harmful to the body. That's something that we've got to think about. Because as the people of God, we have been informed to care for our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? There's a principle there uh, that suggests that we should take care of our physical bodies. Who And Paul refers to them as the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is an interesting thought. You know, in the Old Testament times, and just with the little kids up here in the, in the drill class, we were talking about the tabernacle that the Israelites used to worship God. And later, of course, we know that that was replaced with the temple. But it was a very serious thing if you did anything to desecrate the tabernacle or the temple, the literal temple, anything done that would desecrate it was a serious sin, a sacrilege. And you'd have to apply that kind of thinking to our physical bodies as well. And so as we're thinking, I got to think about some things I'm going to do. Good question to ask is, is it going to affect my mind? Is it going to hurt my body? And then sort of a close follow-up to that is this question. Is the thing that I'm considering doing, does it have an enslaving, or we would probably use the word addictive, does it have an addictive capability? Some of the actions that might bring gratification to the body, those things can affect my mind, alcohol, drugs, marijuana. So it can harm the body, it can affect the mind, but it can also enslave me it can be an addictive sort of thing now think about that for a minute and apply the very simple statement of paul when he said in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 i will not be brought under the power of any so paul said i'm not going to let anything enslave me i'm not going to we would say i'm not going to let anything become addictive i'm not going to let my myself be addicted to these sort of things. I will not be brought under the power of any. And I think that that's the verse that we use. I think it's a strong verse and makes a good argument against things that are addictive. So again, I think these three things kind of go together. I got to consider how it will affect my mind. I got to see if it will harm my body. And I especially don't want to do anything that would enslave or addict me. Here's another question. Is this thing that I'm thinking about, is it good stewardship? Does it, does it constitute good stewardship? You understand the notion of stewardship. 
if you are a steward of something, then what you, you are sort of the caretaker. You're in charge of, you're the overseer, but what you're overseeing is not your own. If you're a steward, you're taking care of somebody else's things. You're in charge of that which belongs to someone else, but you're supposed to take good care of it. You're accountable. You're the steward. You're responsible that what you're assigned to take care of is protected, cared for, that it does well, and you answer to the one that these things belong to ultimately. You're just you're not you're not the owner, you're just the steward. Now you would understand that if this was a matter of some uh, physical property. Uh, maybe you're the steward of a man's farm. So you gotta make sure that the farm does well, that the that the barns stay fixed and the fences are up and that the crops are planted. You're a steward of the farm. You could be a steward of a man's investments. Maybe he's got maybe he's got a good bit of money. And he's entrusted you to watch over his money and his investments so that, you know, he doesn't lose money. He actually makes money. You're the steward. You're the overseer of those things. We understand the idea of stewardship. Well, this is a good question for us because literally everything that we have is not our own, but is God's. Christians need to realize that all that we have, all that we are, is ultimately God's and we should use it carefully as stewards. In Romans chapter 14, verse 8, Paul says, Whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And so I think that says, probably says it very concisely. It's not just a question of your money your things it's a question about you totally we are the lord's it's not just our things but ourselves that belong to god so the question of stewardship now get this we're talking about decision making right that's what this is about there's got to be a lot of considerations that go into the decisions that we make on a regular basis All of these things need to be in our mind. I I don't know that we need to go through a checklist. I'm thinking about going to Atlanta. Okay, I'm thinking about going to Atlanta. Do I have to go down through each one of these things specifically? Well, probably not. We don't have to have a clipboard with a checklist. But all of these notions need to be in my mind. I'm going to a a movie. Uh, I'm going to a ball game. I'm thinking about enrolling in a program. All of these kind of things need to be factored in and and in our considerations. Here's a good question. Will it edify others? This is sort of a church word, isn't it? The word edify. We would say probably, in our language more commonly, we would say encourage. Instead of edify, we would say encourage. And so what I'm thinking about doing, will it edify or encourage others? Um, have you ever been encouraged by somebody? Has, has, is there some remembrance that you have, maybe even recently, of someone that did something and it really was an encouragement to you? I think we all can remember such things. Hopefully we can. Hopefully there are things that happen on a regular basis that are a great encouragement to us. Let me ask you the other side of that question, though. Have you ever been discouraged by someone? 
someone that you knew did or said or acted in a way that turned out to be a really big discouragement to you. Has that ever happened? Well, sadly, yeah. Sadly, we've had those kind of experiences too. Which would you rather do for others? Now, you have, bo- you have been both encouraged and discouraged by people. That just happens. What do you want to do relative to others? Do you want to be an encourager or a discourager? I think that, that question is pretty easily answered, right? And therefore, we need to factor that into our decision-making. I want to do the kind of things that will encourage others. In, in Hebrews 10, verse 24, Hebrews 10, 24, Paul says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Consider one another. As I'm making my decisions, I need to think about you. I need to think about how what I do is going to affect or impact you. Consider one another. I'm, I'm concerned that there are some times that as Christians we don't even give a thought to how our actions are going to impact others. We don't even factor that into our decision-making process, and that's a big mistake. Seek to be an encourager. It's really your job. It's your assignment. It's your responsibility. We're commanded to consider one another. Here's a good question to ask along these lines. Could others imitate me in what I am doing? Sometimes you hear people say, oh, don't, don't follow my example. I, I don't want anybody to, to imitate me. I don't want anybody to do like I do. And they, they're almost uh, sort of disrespectfully making that kind of comment. They're acknowledging that what they're doing is not very good. Don't, don't imitate me. Don't do as I do, they say. But the reality is that people will, right? People will imitate you, whether you want them to or not. And therefore, you can't say, you can't just, I'm going to do what I want to do, don't imitate me. You can't do that. Because there are people who are going to see your example and they are going to follow it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. The Apostle Paul knew it was going to happen. People were going to imitate him, follow him, look at his example and do the same. And I think here we see that he understood that and lived accordingly. What about us? The reality is people are watching your example and some will imitate your example. It may be your children. It may be someone else in your family. It might be a neighbor or a co-worker, someone you know in the community. People are watching your example. You, know, you, you can tell them not to. You can hope that they won't. But the reality is they will. And that being the case, you need to factor that in to your decision making. We're trying, to, we're trying to develop some practical guides for decision making. And I think that's a pretty good one. Could others do as I do? Here's a great question. Will it glorify God? We've talked about this plenty of times, but really, when you, when you boil it all down, that's what it's about, isn't it? As Christians, that's what our life is for. That's our purpose. That's why we are here, to bring glory to God. And so a great question is, will this thing that I'm thinking about doing, will it bring glory to God? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul says, Whatsoever ye do... Do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. That's inclusive, isn't it? It's totally inclusive. 
Everything that I do should be such that God is glorified by it. That means that everything I do with my family should bring glory to God. Everything I do on my job should bring glory to God. When I'm at school, when I'm around friends and acquaintances in the community, in my neighborhood, with others that I interact with at the store or any place that I am, everything that I do should be to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Now, if I'm not following this, the, God's will carefully, if I'm not being obedient, if I'm being uh, less than what a Christian ought to be, I'm not bringing glory to God, right? And so you've got to really think about that question. And then finally, i got one more question to add, and maybe that sort of caps them all off. I, I hope you agree that these are some very practical concepts to incorporate into our decision-making. I believe the list could probably be expanded. But all of these things are worthy for consideration. But maybe one that sort of caps them all is, is this the best thing to do? Uh, I think for a long time, people have used the reasoning, well, what's wrong with it? Uh, you know, so, so what's wrong with it? So here's, here's some particular activity that someone is considering doing. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? That's not the best, that's not the appropriate way to think about it. Instead, we should say, no, so what's wrong with it? We should say, is it best? Is it the best thing to do? In Numbers chapter 18, verse 12, we read a statement concerning what God expected in the Old Testament times. And you can read this over and over and over again in the Old Testament all the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and the wheat and the first fruits of them which they shall offer unto the Lord. What did God expect of the children of Israel in Old Testament times in regards to the sacrifices that they offered? He expected their best, didn't he? And so here comes a guy and he's bringing a, an animal, for instance, for a sacrifice. And it's not a bad animal. It's it's reasonably good animal. Uh, the question wasn't, What's wrong with this animal? The question was, is this the best animal in your flock? Because that's what was expected, right? When they made sacrifices to the Lord, you make sacrifice of what is the very best. And that principle, I think, maybe has been lost on us. We just sort of offer God what's okay. Nothing special. We're busy with other things. We're going to make some, we're going to offer some service to Offer what's okay. No, okay is not good enough. God has always expected the best. So, concerning our service and the decisions that we make as we live our lives for the Lord, is it the best thing to do? So, here are some questions then that I hope will serve as a basis for our decision making. As we said at the outset, this is a common activity. You're doing it. You're doing it all the time. You make decisions constantly. Some of them are real easy. Others are more complicated. But in all of those things that that we do, we want to make decisions that are right, that will be obedient to God, that will glorify Him. We want to do the very best that we can. So we hope that being reminded of some of these very simple, common concepts will be helpful for us. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation. The best thing for you to do is be obedient to God, right? 
And so that means if you're not yet a Christian, the best thing you could do is obey that gospel plan of salvation. Hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. That's the best thing. If you need help with that or if you need help with study, say so. If you're a Christian already, but you realize that you've been making bad decisions, your decisions just haven't been what they ought to be, we urge you to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.